Welcome to New Endings Radio. My name's Darren. I'm your host, and thank you for listening. Appreciate that. Uh, we have our co-host here, Stacy. Hello. Stacy, I need you to verify something for me. And uh, what's that? That I'm wearing my Broken Chains vest. You are wearing your Broken I, Chains vest. Thank you very much. I promised all the uh, Broken Chains people that uh, I'd wear my vest on every show if they let me in. I guess they probably would have let me in anyway. but Probably. I, yeah, but I still made the promise, you know, for wearing it every week. But uh, for those of you that don't know who, what Broken Chains is, Broken Chains is kind of an offshoot of uh, Celebrate Recovery. I don't they, know if offshoot's the best. Yeah, they are uh, motorcycle enthusiasts that have a heart for Celebrate Recovery. That's right. That's that's what they say. And they're a great group of people, but uh, they all ride motorcycles. Now, they let me in. I'm, I'm kind of chicken. I don't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> but you can be an associate member and, uh, and get into Broken Chains also. So they let me in as an associate. So I'm proud to wear the vest, and I just wanted to make sure that they knew that I was doing that for them. Yes, you are. Okay, well, great. Well, on this show every week, we interview uh, different people that are just real people with real issues, and uh, so they kind of relate to, you know, you folks out there. I'm no Dr. Phil. I'm just a guy. Just a guy. That's right. I'm just a guy. (laughs) Yes. And I dealt with alcohol for a long time, and I know exactly how a lot of you feel. It's not all about alcohol and drugs on the show. It's all about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But every hurt, habit, and hang-up has the same sight issues and and, uh, symptoms and everything else. So this really applies to everybody that has any kind of an issue whatsoever. So today we're going to talk to uh, April from uh, Texas, and she's going to go through a few things that she went through and uh, so let's get uh, april in here all right okay so welcome to the show april hi april hi guys all right nice to have you on um now are you a broken chains member i am not i'm actually waiting for my application to be approved to be an associate oh, member good. Awesome. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah that's yeah what I, i'm an associate member I, I i'm too chicken to ride a motorcycle so they gave me an opportunity yeah. to get on without riding so I kind of needed that, but all right. Well, we interview a lot of broken chains people, so I was just kind of curious. It's a great uh, group of people. Hey, look, uh, most of the people don't know, you know, who you are, what came up, and a lot of things uh, that we deal with and later in life, you know, happen in our childhood. So why don't you just go back and kind of tell us a little bit how you grew up? I mean, did you grow up in a Christian home, or was it dysfunctional, or what was going on? Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. We my mom was a member at a Protestant church, but we went on Easter and Christmas. Oh, okay. um, so we didn't have a whole lot of religious uh, influences growing up. Okay. Um, we had a ton of dysfunction. My parents were oil and water. They mm. were a mismatch from the beginning. Why is they that? never should have been married. My dad was a self-proclaimed hippie who, who vowed to never work for the man so he was an artist and he was a painter and he did antiques and my mom came from a very structured home um her father was a a three-time vietnam uh vet um led a very structured home so complete opposites right absolutely 100 percent oil and water they really had no business being together my mom probably was trying to shock and awe my grandfather (sighs) um and really all she did was walk into a spider web of learned traits my dad learned from watching his father parent so and husband so my dad was very verbally abusive he um Mm. 
was very unfaithful. He was never home at night. He was not a father figure, nor was he a husband in any way. So how long did that marriage last? Um, my parents still got a divorce when I was four. Oh, okay. Um, and my mom never really had to keep my dad away. Um, he just kind of disappeared one day and would reappear on okay. his whim. Um, so what'd your mom do then? My mom had chronic migraines and she had very bad depression. So she would sleep all day. Okay. She would sleep all day or she yelled at us. So it was always better if she was sleeping mm. than well, you, yelling. You must've been, uh, about grade school about that time. So how had that affect your schooling? Um, a lot. Um, I actually ended up staying back in first grade. Um, I could read going into first grade and with the trauma of my dad leaving and my mom meeting her new spouse, who was not a very great man, I completely forgot how to read. Um, yeah. So I couldn't read. I could read, then I couldn't read right. until um, I was in fifth grade. I finally got a teacher who started to slowly identify that I had learning disabilities and I was struggling with dyslexia. Well, that had to be um, uncomfortable with uh, your friends and everything. I was one of those really great kids who could fake it till they made it. Oh, okay. um, my teachers didn't even know I couldn't read until I hit fifth grade. Mm. So I was really good at context clues. I was really good at figuring it out. Right. Um, my mom was not very emotionally available. She was wrapped up in this new relationship. I had a little brother and a new stepsister, and I was the oldest. So I was required all of my elementary school years um, of getting my siblings dressed and ready for school, making sure their homework was done, um, making sure that they were in at you know a certain hour. And so I was I played mom. Well, my mom focused on working two jobs. Mm. Well, how'd the relationship go with the new stepdad? He, um, from the moment he walked into my brother and I's life, my brother was only nine months when um, this man came into our lives. And um, he didn't really have time for us then or ever, really. Um, he, we were more of a burden. So he would do things where he would plan events where only one of us could go. And then my mom would feel bad about splitting the two of us up. So they would just go without us. And it was my mom, my stepdad and the stepsister would go do these fun family things and drop my brother and I off at my grandmother's house. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break here because I know that uh, you said something about him making you live in the basement and everything. We got to hear a little bit more about that. So we'll, we'll get back to April right after this. Hi, this is Darren, host of New Endings Radio. We want you to be a part of our effort to get as many people as possible out of denial and into some sort of counseling or support group. I've been there myself through years of alcohol abuse, and our co-host, Stacy, she's dealt with her own codependency and food issues since she was a small child. We know how difficult it is to make that first step. We could use the help of people like you that would like to help people change their lives. You can go to our Facebook page, New Endings Radio, and find everything you need to help us out with whatever you can give. For just $25 a month, you can become a patron of our podcast site. Or if you don't use Facebook, you can go directly to our website, newendings.online, and help us out there. Any small amount helps us get people to a new path for a new ending. Give us your help to help others today. That's Facebook at New Endings Radio, or our website, 
newendings.online. All right, well, welcome back to uh, New Endings Radio. We're talking to April from Texas today. And uh, April, right before the break, April was starting to go into why she was living in the basement. I guess uh, stepfather didn't think much of the two of you and uh, treated uh, his own daughter a lot better. So you got to tell us about this basement thing. What, what was going on there, April? So the basement really acted really as our sanctuary. So in the scheme of things, I'm grateful for the basement because mm-hmm. it gave my brother and I a safe place to um, to be a little family, the two of us. Wow. So I looked out for my little brother um, more than anything. So the basement became a place where I could retreat. And in that retreating, I is where my drinking habit started. Um, You're still pretty young, aren't you? I was very young. So between seventh and uh, sixth and seventh grade is really when I really drank a considerable amount. What made you start to drink? I mean, of all things, why? What put that in your head? It was easily accessible. Um, I woke up in sixth grade and I looked like a woman. I passed as 21. I could go into any of the liquor stores and buy alcohol. It was easily accessible to me. Um, Once I had my first taste, I knew that that was an easy way to escape. What made you want to have that first taste? What happened in that situation? Um, My first taste uh, was at a sleepover at a girlfriend's house. She was being sneaky. And, um, once I had that first buzz, I, I was like, wow, that takes the edge off. Let's keep doing that. Well, that explains that. Um, So you were drinking to kill the pain of what was going on at home. Absolutely. The pain of, I, I, I struggled with a learning disability. So I was always struggling in school. I was dealing with the physical, emotional pain of being home and, I just didn't really fit in and alcohol made everything numb. Right. Yeah. I can imagine. So your stepfather, I mean, was he abusing you also or? Very physically abusive. He threw me down the stairs a few times. He's broken both my wrists. Um, He's broken things over my head. He would pick me up by my hair. He was just really... He came from a very abusive family and didn't abuse his own daughter. He only took it out on me and my little brother. Wow. Okay. Well, that's obviously a problem. I can understand how you were thinking about yourself. I mean, what were your thoughts about uh, yourself, your own self-esteem and that type of thing at that point? Um, I don't know if I really had any. <laughs> right. Honestly, I, I looked – I've always – it was always easy to – visually sexualize me because I looked so old. I had curves like a woman. Uh, My hair looked like a woman. My face looked like a woman. I put on a little bit of lipstick and you never would have known how old I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I learned at a really young age to be comfortable in my own skin that I, I could use it to my advantage. I could use my looks to my advantage. I could get out of things. I could get into things. (laughs) Okay. It worked for me. So you're, so you look 21, but you're only, what, in like the eighth grade or something? How... Yeah, I was about 14 at this point. Okay. And so you're you're still going to school, I guess, but you're drinking the whole time? I was, yes. I went to school because um, that was my that was my refuge away from the storm. So right. school, I drank 
I put two or three shots in my, in my tea in the morning on my way to school. I kept a flask that was full with me at all times. So I drink that throughout school. So by the time I, by the time I'd get home at the end of the day, I had already consumed almost a half a bottle. That's crazy um, at that age that too. Bottle. Yeah. Well, you know, like we said, you're killing the pain. I mean, you come home to that kind of environment every that chaos. Yeah, exactly. I can understand that. So, so you, so you were still living at home then and living in the basement? Or? I was. I lived at home until I was about 15, and my stepdad 15, came huh? home and brutally attacked me uh-huh. um, for no reason. And at that point, I knew that I, I, I couldn't stay. I had to pack up. I had to leave. And I packed everything that I truly loved into a cardboard box and got wow. into my boyfriend's car and drove away. And I never lived under my mother's roof ever again. Where were you living then? You're only 15. I lived here, there, everywhere. I had some really great friends. So I would stay at this person's house a few days and then that person's house a few days. And I'd rotate out so sporadically that no one really knew that I didn't have anywhere to live. And you're still going to school and doing all that. That's that's crazy. Still going to school. um, Still trying my best to just... um, I always wanted to be a doctor. And so I really always wanted to achieve academic success but without without the lack with the lack of of parenting with a with the lack of my teacher's help i was just a fish floating in the sea well you're 15 you're couch jumping and i mean you still had to have money to live and i'm sure that people weren't just giving you money how how were you supporting yourself I did. So I was at a barbecue and I met a man who owned a restaurant and he thinking that I was 21 because I looked 21 just hired me. I was one of his main waitresses and his bartender for, um, for almost two years. I worked for them and they had no idea that I was just a child. Time out. You're you're 16 years old and you're a bartender. Yeah, I was. And you have an alcohol problem. Yeah. That sounds like a very bad combination. Bad, right there. bad recipe there. But I didn't drink. I didn't drink at work. Oh. While I was at work, I was, I was, well, I would get there with a buzz. Let's get it clear. Yeah. But okay. while I was working, I knew there was strict T, T, well, I don't think it's called TABC there, but there was very strict alcohol laws. Right. And yeah. so like, it was, it was very widely known that if you were a bartender, you were not allowed to consume alcohol right. behind okay. the bar. And so I did not want to lose my job. I didn't want them to find out that I wasn't old enough. So you're doing all this and still going to high school. The whole time. Wow. Um, My teachers had no idea. Uh, It's funny. They would say, well, take this to your parent and have them sign it. "Mm, Okay, teacher. Let me have my parents sign that in the parking lot. Wow. (laughs) That's that's something else. All right. So um, I guess you met uh, your future husband at that point, but he wasn't really a boyfriend is more support or something you were telling me yeah so i i met my husband um the very first time he ever met me he told he looked me in the eye and said you're going to be my future wife i thought he was crazy um (laughs) he was right um but he we dated um briefly in high school and i knew that he was such a clean palate he was such a good and honest man and that he came from a family of love and I knew I was going to destroy him. I knew that I was, I was, I was broken goods that, mm. um, I was just going to hurt him. So I, I broke up with him, but we continued to stay in each other's lives from that point on. He was 
always a consistent. He was always there to help. He was always there to just be a good person. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to take a little break here. And, uh, when we come back, um, I, I want you to kind of tell everybody about the story about how you, cause you're still in high school, you're working full time. You're trying to make everything happen and, and you end up getting basically kidnapped, I guess, and held in hostage from a guy that rapes you and everything else. We're going to have to hear a little bit about that. So we'll be right back uh, with April from Texas. We need people that enjoy helping other people. New Endings Radio is on the air because of donations from caring people. The cost of this airtime was provided by someone who cares enough about other people to give just $15 a month towards someone's new beginning. Everyone involved in the production of this show volunteers their time to get the Word of God into the homes of people that need recovery from some sort of hurt, habit, or hang-up. Go to our Facebook page, New Endings Radio, and right in the top of the very first post, we put a link that will send you right to our website. You're welcome to give whatever you want, but even if it's that small $15 a month, you may help save someone's life. Go to our Facebook page, New Endings Radio, or go directly to our website, newendings.online, and help us convince people to get out of their cycle and seek help. Go to our Facebook page, New Endings Radio, or our website, newendings.online, and help with as little as $15. Okay, well, welcome back to uh, New Endings Radio. We're talking to April from Texas. She was just going to tell us a horrible story. It sounds like uh, she, you were you were locked in a room or something and, and raped. Just, you don't have to get into too much detail, but you got to tell us what happened there. So I went to a party um, under the uh, influence of drugs and alcohol. Um, I dated a man super briefly that was a very horrible person. Um, Everybody left the party, left me alone with this man. Um, He told me what he was going to do to me, and I fought for as long as I could. Um, He ended up padlocking me into a room. Mm. Um, I finally found the key and escaped her after about 16 hours. Wow. And it just never was the, I was never the same after that. Um, I locked myself in my room for, for almost nine months. I didn't come out. I I quit my job. I, my, at this point, my dad was home from jail and I just stayed in my room. I didn't, I didn't have any reason to interact with the outside world. Were you still drinking Um, at that time? Oh yeah. Probably. I was probably at the peak of my drinking at that point. And I, um, so what, I had friends that worked at the liquor store who would drop my liquor off to me. So I never even had to leave the house at wow. the end of the day. So how, um, how'd you get out of that whole cycle? Well, um, that's really where I met Jesus is in this dark cavern that I was in. I, uh, had a friend who left a bunch of CDs at my house, told me to listen to what I wanted to. And, and in that stack of CDs was a, a band called jars of clay. Most nice. of you yeah. probably know them. They're good. I put in the CD and I listened to it for 24 hours straight. And in that 24 hours, what I realized was that not only did God create me, but he loved me. He cherished me. He loved me. He walked in, in behind me, beside me and in front of me always. And in that moment, I found God. I found the thing that was going to make the pain go away. Right. Or not go away, but he made it make sense. Heal it. Yeah. Yep. 
so I emerged out of this room, a different person at this point, I'd been in my room for so long. Most of my friends had moved on with life and I needed to find this new footing. Um, I realized that living in the hometown I was in was not going to be good for me. And I moved to Florida with my grandmother, um, to escape this drinking. And I found myself a church home. I was drinking, but I wasn't drinking to excess. I made better choices of friends and environments to hang out in. I drank socially, um, but not so much addictly, if that makes any sense. Right. And then I guess there was another issue that you. Yeah. Um, I went on a bad date and um, he took advantage of me. Um, And in the end of that, I ended up pregnant with my daughter. I have well, never in my life yeah. been so low. Um, wow. I needed, I needed yeah. something had to save me at this point because what were you I thinking? knew Jesus. Um, I, I was thinking of, of ending the pregnancy because I didn't have, I didn't have family. Right. I didn't have, I didn't have friends. I didn't have, I didn't have a support system. But I worked with this really amazing woman who saw me at the pit of my my despair and said, hey, I, I go to this meeting every Thursday. There's free food. And she had me at free food. That was all oh, I needed nice. here. Um, and I walked into this space where there are people of all walks of life, all different colors, all different races, everything. And they all had did these different issues, but they all could find this centralized healing with God. Right, right. And the CR meeting, the first three, I just cried all the way through. By the time I got my footing and realized, like, I was in a safe place for the first time in a really long time. Mm. And I was with other people who had been through the pits of hell like I had and still were choosing to keep their eyes on him and to show up every week and to do the work and to know that his life with him was better than life without him. Did you meet anybody in those small groups that were, had the same problem or usually that's what happens in celebrate recovery. You you stumble across somebody that's gone through the same thing. A similar story. Right. I did. I met a girl who had the exact same story as me and she had chosen to keep her baby. And it was, it was, it was beautiful to have someone that you didn't even know meet you right where you were and love you even with your broken spots. Right. Couldn't recall the girl's name for the life of me, but she changed my life so profoundly because she showed me that even at her darkest, there was hope. Right. Okay. Well, where does your husband come into all this stuff? Because he's so, been hanging around for a long time and I haven't really heard anything about getting married or anything. Where'd that come in? He has. So he, Um, was one of the first phone calls I made when I found out that I was, and his first reaction was come home. Anything of you is mine. And I love you and your baby just as much. Um, and so I did, um, my husband and I, we were together for 15 years before we got married. We actually just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary in September. Um, and, um, he gave up his entire life and moved across the country to be with me and to help me raise our daughter together. And um, so he came to see you in Florida. I at that point I had moved to Texas. Okay, so, so you're back in story. Texas. So now you've changed cities. Did you get right back into Celebrate Recovery when you got to Texas? I did. Oh, I did. okay, nice. 
they were hard to find at first because um, there weren't a lot of them. So um, with the help of the church that I was attending at that time, we actually started a Celebrate Recovery. Nice. We, um, we operated for over two years. Um, we eventually had to close our doors. We didn't have pastoral su- support, but it gave me a break in between having CR and being so immersed in it and not having CR. And honestly, the time that I didn't have that community and that place where I belonged, I just felt like I just kind of floated through life. Mm. When CR came back into my life at another church, it was like someone had turned the lights on again and it felt, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I didn't have to hide. I didn't have to wear a mask around these people. I could be broken. I could be exactly where I was and no one was going to judge me. We all need that kind of support. You know, people think they can do it on their own all the time. I talk to alcohol people all the time. I can quit anytime I want. This isn't a problem, blah, blah, blah. But they, they're, it's all just a farce. You know, you need that support to, to make it through. You can't do it on your own. So. And that's, and that safe place where you can actually be yourself, not hide, take that mask off. And a lot of times people, even when they are with their friends, who they are trusted friends, they don't open up. They're not truly who they are. And I, I find that my CR, my CR family is the reason why I have healing. And it's not because I'm, I am doing all this work. It's because a Jesus is there every single time. And he loves me and he's ready with a warm blanket of grace to wrap around me in my brokenness. And these other people are around me saying, hey, I hurt just as bad as you do, but I am going to rejoice in your recovery. I'm going to rejoice in your next chip. And we're in it together. We're in it to win it. And I see these people who are, are professionals who would never take this mask off in public. Right. But they come here and they they show up freely every week. And it for me, it's the highlight of my week. All Wednesdays right. are my non-negotiables. Without right. CR, yeah. I don't have a compass. All right. Well, April, thank you so much for coming on and uh, being so honest with us and telling us what uh, Celebrate Recovery did for you. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be back next week uh, with another guest and another story. Thank you, April. Thanks, guys. We like to end each week with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. New Endings Radio is a nonprofit organization and we need your help to stay on the air. We depend on listener support to keep things running and we need you to do what you can. Go to our website, newendings.online and click on a donate button. You can give as little as $10 because every little bit helps us continue helping people that might be at the end of the road. You can go to the GoFundMe website and find us at New Endings Radio and give what you can there. The whole purpose of New Endings Radio is to get people to understand they are not alone and that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Even the rock-solid, go-to-church-every-Sunday kind of Christian has issues they need to address, even if they won't admit it. Help us help people help themselves and give what you can at our website, 
newendings.online or go to the GoFundMe page and see us at New Endings Radio and do something to help someone.